Men Adventures, and welcome to the Audio Armory, an exploration of weaponry through the ages. I am your local bard, Emily Cardamus. And I'm your local blacksmith, Liz Belts. How's it going, Liz? It's, 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 a, it's a go. It's a go? It's not a stop, Let's but it a is go. a go. Let's a go! Wahoo! Now I just want to play the new Mario Kart on the Switch. It's not out yet. I know, but it just reminded me of that. It's also the same, it's the same Mario Kart. Huh? It's it's the same Mario Kart, it's just on the Switch. Yeah, but I like the Switch. It's a nice thing. Well, that's cool that you've been able to touch one. (laughs) I haven't even seen one. It's gone forever now. I know, I have the money, I could purchase your thing, Nintendo. (laughs) I would just, I just don't, I don't. Hey, Nintendo, how about you get more Nintendo Switches so that we could buy these things? Hey, but just remember, well, we we always have to remember Nintendo's motto. Nintendo, there's five of them. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but on that note, Liz, would you say that we're switching it up this week? We're not. We're we're doing the normal format. You've done research, and we're going to talk about the research that you did about a weapon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we're not been switching switch- it up. We've been switching it up for like the past few episodes. Well, it's because I've so we're been re-switching, tired, and you've been tired. Yeah, but now you're more tired. I'm so more I'm tired, gonna- but we're still going to do it. Yeah, because I did research and I kind of went overboard because I got really excited about some of these. So tell me about this thing, whatever we're talking about today, my dude. All right. So let me give you guys an idea of where we're going to be this week. Okay. Um, we're going to be a little bit more east than Europe, but okay. less east than the origin of the banana sword. All right, Carmen Sandiego, where are we? Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? No one knows because she's been gone. But that wasn't even the tune of where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, and I'm disappointed well, in you, and I think our friendship level has dropped. It's been a long time, Emily. It's good. I, I could do the, the entire song in my head. <laughs> I could do the entire rockapella thing right now. I do won't it. though. Oh, we'll get a copyright strike or something. I don't know. I don't know yeah, how maybe. podcasts work. Yeah, whatever. You gotta like pay licensing fees or something. Yeah, I, I have to go to rockapella and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna <laughs> sing your song in my in in my dumb podcast where we talk about swords." Yeah. I'll be like, who are you? And I'm like, sweet, here's five bucks. <laughs> here's five bucks for the two seconds we have of audio of this. But, uh, so where are we going? We're going to Sri Lanka and India. Cool. Do you mean and Sri Lanka? What? Huh? You mean Sri, Sri Lanka? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Look, I've never actually said it. I've only ever read it. Well, it's Welcome Sri Lanka. To- Sri Lanka. Yeah. Surrey. Sri Lanka. Siri. Sri Lanka. (laughs) I'm going to jump through this microphone and beat the crap out of you. Listeners, don't let her do this. I'm going to do it. Don't let her kill me. Kickstarter Kickstarter to... uh, (laughs) No! Let me buy the technology to strangle Liz from miles away. No! Please, no. (laughs) Please no. Though these regions were heavily influenced by Europe, uh, mainly Britain, around the mid-1800s, swordmakers actually made a variety of designs that were very different from their neighbors. Um, A lot of these weapons took on very unique shapes. 
some of their more common weapons that they used were the castane, uh, different ritual weapons, some two-handed swords, the, let me see, kanda, kanda, yeah, I said that right, pata, tega, talwar, kora, shamshir, and mughal swords. That's a lot of things. It is a lot. I tried so hard I actually looked up how to pronounce everything. This is like the Whitman sampler of uh, Sri Lankan and Indian swords. Yes, because there is there's amazingly enough a like a lot, like a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Starting with the castane, though, um, it's probably the most European looking out of all the blades. Uh, Imperialism, it's... am I right? It's a... Sorry, continue. Actually, they're left, so. If you look at a map, not imperialism. I didn't say I didn't I didn't say Westernization. I said imperialism. Your joke didn't work. I'm dying inside. (laughs) Yes, so am I. (laughs) What's my excuse? You've been dead. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Essentially, envision this sword have being uh, like the German cavalry sword. Uh, that we kind of went over when well, we went over cavalry swords. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, but the blade is essentially the same. Uh, it still has a slight curve and the edge of the blade is on the outer on the outer edge of the curve. Though most of these swords actually had a mark bearing the Dutch East India Company, which was it was probably the only sword that really did. A lot of the other ones just had uh, the artisan's mark, mm-hmm. but these blades specifically had that mark because they were just high trade. Okay, um, so were they? So if if that's the case, were they made just? Were they, they were made for trade. No, they were just the most common. Okay, like the most most. Okay, um, basically for battle. Um, mm-hmm. Between that and then the Talwar which we'll get on we'll get into further on. The handles were probably the most notable out of the whole piece. It was the one thing that made it look not German or vaguely European for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it tended to look like some sort of variant of a monster. Uh, the pommel usually had a large ferocious head and a lot of them actually had smaller heads that would come off of like the cross guard, knuckle guards whatever whatever little pieces would kind of flare off of the handle it okay. more than likely had a tiny head that was also screaming at ferociously so like you have one head that's like rah you know, it's like hello yeah it's like don't talk to me or my children ever again yeah it's, it's basically it's the sword of don't talk to me or my children ever again yeah it's exactly literally it. because they're gonna kill you with the sword oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the scabbards are also heavily decorated wooden pieces. They were intricately carved and tended to have uh, a floral design, some depiction of nature, but it was almost always rep- repetitious. Okay. It was uh, just a pattern that kind of went along the side of the scabbard and then like maybe some little intricate bordering. Like a Hawaiian uh, print shirt. Exactly. Only on a wooden scabbard from India. <laughs> so not at all like a Hawaiian print shirt. <laughs> exactly. Like a Hawaiian print shirt, but not at all. But not. Welcome to Audio Armor. <laughs> then we have 
ritual swords. Okay. And they were intense. Um, we haven't really discussed any ancient How Egyptian How do they use them if they were intense? Well, they would just walk out of the tent. <laughs> I mean, they were they were stored in the tent, but then they'd have to grab it and like go outside because okay. they don't they don't want to like fair, destroy the fair. tent. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's a really cumbersome way to battle. Yeah, I mean, it's just granted, it's like a nice it's a nice place to get get break, grab grab water at the cooler, <laughs> just chill for a bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean. Of course, it's like this is history. This is what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like you said, they're intense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But going off of, at some point, we'll probably cover Egyptian weaponry. Probably. But there's a weapon called the kapesh, uh, and the blade is kind of difficult to describe. Okay. But I'm going to try my best here. Envision, yes. Sometimes, sometimes we just quit derailing the conversation. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes we call things bananas, Um, (laughs) because why not? Um, Envision the blade starting off straight at the hilt. Okay. Uh, Then it softly curves at a ninety degree angle. It's like a nice, like gentle wave sort Mm -hmm. of thing. But at the end of that curve, it just suddenly, it's just like, nope, and makes a sharp 90 degree turn back. So it's like parallel with the other straight part of it. Okay. So it's this weird, vague lightning bolt-esque shape. All right. And it's the the Kinsey scale of swords because it like starts off straight and then it gets a little wobbly and then it like, you know, and then it turns again. Yeah. And so it's like, what part, you know, what? where on the sword spectrum are you? I'm really sorry. <laughs> where on the sword spectrum are you? <laughs> exactly. But it was, it was really weird because these things were really, like, they were wide. They weren't long. They were only about two and a half feet long. But okay. they were probably at least three inches, like, across. So these were very very heavy very kind of awkward awkwardly shaped weapons not something Um, you'd use in battle yes but the egyptians used theirs in battle but okay the indians were up to the challenge yeah they were just like yeah you know what this is this is a neat boomerang-esque sword i have let's give it a go exactly no one's gonna no one's gonna mess with me my cats (laughs) because this blade was obviously very impractical it was used ceremoniously for different dances and such and there were actually holes drilled along the one side where bells could be uh, attached so it would make uh essentially i believe it was kind of a way to something about alerting spirits or something or other i can't fully remember now that sounds cool but, but uh it was basically made the weapon a performance piece. Okay. Uh, for lack of a better term. No, I can I can see that. These swords had the hilt resembled um, another common weapon of theirs called the talwar. The talwar originated actually from Persia okay. around the 13th century, um, much like the shamshir that we're going to go over later. Um the blade was wider than its 
uh, Mother Persian sword, but still keeps the swooping um, curve. Basically, like, a, again, the cavalry sword, only the curve is a bit more extreme. Okay. Um, has double edge and was primarily used as a slashing and thrusting weapon. The pommel, though, was what was kind of kind of odd. Um, just like on the ritual swords, these Talwars have a disc pommel. And towards the, like, where the grip was, it had this inverse hourglass-like shape. Um, and then the cross guards would match that curvy, curvy shape as well on okay. either side. And then... To, uh, on the quillions, which are the things that flare off, they were typically domed, sometimes domed in a way so that they would kind of look like flowers, like weird flower-esque things, mm -hmm. depending on the design that was on it, tended to be more more of your uh, high-end uh, kind of towel wars. Uh, some of these weapons actually included a knuckle guard, m mainly if it was used on the battlefield, the more decorative ones did not have it. They actually had something more what's called uh, kafgari, which is an inlay process that they had. They would inlay gold, brass, what have you, in very small, intricate designs and patterns along the whole handle. Okay, so this was just another way to decorate it. Yes. Also, and it I need was... you to know that I was searching for a really long time for a Knuckles the Echidna joke I could pull with the knuckle guard comment, but I couldn't find anything. Uh, but I just wanted you to know that like that impulse was there. Good. I'm proud of you. No, thank you. An effort was there. Yeah. We sometimes just... that's all I can do. Yeah. Well, some it's hard to make Knuckle the Echidna in... Go, go into swords. Like yeah, he's... I was like, uh, Knuckles has a sword? No, nah, that doesn't work. Like, so if I go really quiet, that's usually what I'm trying to do. It's just like, uh, there's jokes, a joke jokes, here. There's jokes. a joke here. But this sounds like, I mean, very similar to a lot of the other inlay, or not, not similar to, but just similar in the result of the other inlay processes, uh, processes that, processes, processes, whatever, the inlay methods that uh, you have been described in other swords. Yes. I mean, it, obviously, like, depending on your region, everybody's going to have a different name for it. Mm -hmm. But it's essentially the same concept. Mm -hmm. You're inlaying stuff into steel, which is your sword. It's in your handle. I it looks it pretty. Look pretty. Because yeah. I'm important. And exactly. And I want everyone to see that I'm important. Mm -hmm. so. And they continued this process where it's just like, hey, look at me. I'm special. Mm -hmm. By making these really intricate reliefs in the blade. Okay. Of, cool. like, different figures, like, religious figures. Um, and I think some of them actually had, like, their ancestors on it, too, which oh. is... Yeah, I wouldn't want to use that sword. Or if, like, your grandpa is on it, and it's like, no, I'm going to stab you with my grandpa. I'm stabbing you with my grandpa. <laughs> That's weird. That would be really uncomfortable. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm sorry, grandpa. And you're just like, oh, God. And then we have the Tega, which is basically the tall war on steroids. Okay. Uh, the blade is a lot wider, and they were carried by Maratas and... I'm not even sure how you say that. Raiputs? Uh, sure. Raj... Raj... Yeah. Um, basically, they were carried by people before the Mughal dynasty. Okay. Um, according to historians, these weapons, due to their just weight... 
mm-hmm. were used as executioner swords, mainly because they were extremely wide. Mm-hmm. It could easily cut through a bone and decapitate a person. And I feel like, too, like, when we talk about executioner swords, we talk about swords that are usually so big that, like, the thing that carries the force, for the most part, is not a person. It's just gravity. Yeah. Like, you can't swing one of those things. You're basically lifting it up and letting it fall. Yeah, unless you're just insanely buff and you can somehow manage to lift it over yeah. your head. In which case, that's going to be the cleanest cut ever. It'd be nice. Unless but, your sword is not sharp. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. No. I just went through a lot of different visions in my head. Yep. Uh. Thanks. Thank You're you, welcome. Emily. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Thank you for making me actually I'm twitch. A bard. That's what I'm here for. The Tega actually wasn't the only executioner sword. They also used a weapon called the Korra, which is not the Legend of Korra, which is a really good show. But instead. The sword of, uh, the national sword of Nepal, which is only about a foot in length. So it's more like a uh, machete-esque okay. weapon. Um, is the, size-wise is the best way I can kind of... I was going to say a short sword, but I don't think short swords are like real things in real life. I think that's a thing fantasy made up. Short swords are real? We covered um, that. We did. <laughs> We did. We covered it briefly. But I feel like um, we just called them broadswords. We didn't call it, like there isn't like a short. They're sword smaller broadswords. Swords. Yeah, they're, like it they're was not just like, like it's a broadsword and it's short. Yeah, it's just shorter. It's mm-hmm. not like short, short. It's not like this weird stub. <laughs> right. Well, no, that's I don't know what that would be. Stub. A stub. Here's stub your stub sword. sword. <laughs> now I want to make a stub sword. Maybe you should. I will at some point. The Korra has um, a very, very interesting tip to the to it. Uh, like again, like all the other swords that we've basically discussed, it has a, a curve to it, but it's a lot more drastic. And the tip of it actually goes out to this fin-like shape. Um, so when you say drastic, are we talking like crescent moon drastic, or are we talking like? Yeah, pretty much. Um, If it wasn't for the fact that the handle and everything else was straight, it would probably make a crescent. Are we talking like, so it's almost like a, like you're describing a sickle then. Like that drastic or not that drastic? Towards the end of it. Because it, it's weird. It starts off a little straight and then just curves And then it just kind of curves at the end. So it's like if you took half a sickle and you stuck it on a sword. Yeah. And then just made it into uh, a fish fin. Got it. Just like, just right let it end. flare out. Yeah. Okay. Um, but a lot of the reason for that kind of shape and the width of it, again, was just because it was easy to just drop on a person's neck and decapitate them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's basically a lot of its its main use. I find it interesting that as an executioner sword it would be curved because I would think wouldn't you want a straight blade? Like I don't I don't understand the point of having it curve if it's just going to drop on someone's neck. My thought is the way it was probably used was it was put over their head and it was like swung from their back down. Oh, so like I they see. used force, but Okay. Okay. Uh, no, that makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it was still gravity. Easy, but it makes it easier to build momentum because if the sword is curved versus straight, 
the aerodynamics of it is it's more aerodynamic and so it's not forcing it the wind isn't forcing against you exactly i mean it's still a behemoth of a blade but any little bit helps yeah no (laughs) really it's it's a box car versus a you know aerodynamically designed car yeah and then the handle on this is kind of strange it's basically just two discs like one at one for the cross guard and one like right before you reach the round pommel okay so i the way i envision it is because they're just these discs they would be sharp but i don't know that's just that's just a personal personal visualization of it Mm. like compared to a lot of other swords that have different guards on them a lot of them tend to be thicker smoother like they aren't these just abrupt weird right like pieces of metal the only thing i can envision really is like here we're gonna put a a saw wheel on this we have some some dinner plates we're gonna stick this on your sword hilt because we don't we ran out of everything else so uh dishware yeah and Jim over here has a bunch of plates that we can use, so let's go for it. Aw, Jim's plate collection. He works so hard on those. Look, Jim Jim will get over it. It just gives him more things to collect. I guess. That's just, so he just sad. Has, he gets to start all over. It's I'm the sorry, joy of Jim. collecting. <laughs> Jim will be okay. He, he, he will overcome He'll get better. Pain. He'll get better with this. <laughs> Give him some oh, time. Exactly. Time heals all wounds. <laughs> time heals all dinner plates <laughs> one of the uh more battle used swords uh by the indians was actually their two-handed sword okay. which i kind of really love as a two-handed sword um it's a beautiful hybrid between um a i think oh, i'm trying to think of, i lost my note here basically like a straighter sword okay and a spear so much like uh the when we covered japan's pole arms they have the yes um which was the spear katana combo Mm -hmm. this one had a longer blade though it was about two and a half feet long okay in comparison to i think it was a foot and a half so we're basically talking like a quarter staff with a, a a huge sword attached to the end. Yeah, and so like in total staff le- plus. Yeah, in total length, this thing was like five feet long. Okay, yeah, wow, that's as tall as me. Yeah, it's it's a big one, mm-hmm. but it's not big in like the Naginata. Nag Naginata, you had it. I had it. Yeah, I I always second myself, second guess myself when it comes to pronouncing a lot of these foreign. Names also, for just to qualify, it would be the size of me if it was three inches taller. So I'm still taller than that thing. <laughs> Barely, I don't want everyone but you to think are. I was five feet. I'm already short, but like I will take those three inches. <laughs> Thank you. This weapon was made entirely of steel. There was no wood, no d- decor to it, really. Um, the only sort of decorations they tend to have was these sphere-like shapes which were at the pommel the cross guard and in the center of the handle okay um essentially the one in the middle was just so like if you had for whatever reasons 
uh, both of your hands on the top or both on the bottom, mm-hmm. your hands wouldn't shift far, like, along the handle. Right. It, it would be stopped. It's literally like, this is the middle. Like, it's what it's, it's telling like, you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is the break. Here you is. won't slide all over the place. Right. <laughs> and this blade took on the shape of its fellow Hindu sword, the Khanda. I just didn't think about that. Uh, the Khanda was a common warrior class-based weapon, um, typically found in the southwest Indian region. The blade was either double-edged or single-edged, depending upon your rank. Typically, single-edged kandas uh, <laughs> were heavily gilded with brass um, along the unsharpened edge as reinforcement, because a lot of these blades specifically were very thin. Okay. Um, the reason for that was so they'd be more flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of trying to take on the idea of the flexibility of a katana. Right. Um, this sounds but, even thinner than that, though, if it has to, like, have something else placed on the unsharpened edge. Yes. I mean, to my understanding, what I've looked through, mm-hmm. they didn't, um, they didn't use similar, like, they didn't use welding te- techniques like the Japanese did, okay. where they had different Damascus steels. India tended to have more simplistic, um, nothing like no folding techniques or anything to that mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. If they did have that, it was for they were basically reverend as these very special weapons. They okay. were very rare to come across. Right. Only the rich would have such elegant weaponry. Even the double-edged blades had steel reinforcements because, again, these blades were just so thin. But these ones had a bar running through the middle of it. And they would try to make it as decorative as possible, but obviously not a whole lot of effort was put into it because it was going to get beat to crap anyways Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. battlefield. Mm -hmm. The blade itself resembles basically a narrow broadsword. Um except for the very tip of it. It swells out like this kind of strange spoon-like shape. Um, it just becomes like this little f- fat pointy nub. It's when you, um, have, you have breakfast at six and murder at seven. The swelling gave it weight at the tip, allowing for easier slashing motions to be performed in combat. You know how hard it is to not make... A beepus joke right now. It's really hard to not just make a beepus joke right now. Yeah, I honestly, when you, I'm making tiny versions of them, mm-hmm. and to be a hundred percent real, you made a tiny beepus sword. Yep, a hundred percent. They're just. I haven't put like any of the handle stuff on them, and just mm-hmm. looking at the plain steel, I'm like, mmm. <laughs> like that's a that's a beepus. Yep, you did I it. just, I, I left it at work. I just left it right there on my bench. That's a bad idea. Nope, it's there. Okay. People will know. People will embrace it and they'll be I confused, guess. but they won't ask. Jeez. They'll be too afraid. Tell me about the handle of this Beepus sword. So for this Beepus, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it the Beepus now. This That's is, what it is. Beepus It's a new name. Um, the handles typically have uh, baskets around them to act as extra bits of protection but also have something known as a pommel spike Uh, this pommel spike allowed the user to have the option of using it as a two-handed weapon versus just a single-handed weapon um giving them (laughs) 
You want one hand or two hands on your peepus? Stop it. Basket for protection. <laughs> like, I know, okay, I know literally every episode, like, both of us are screaming, like, on the inside because we can't make these jokes and it's so easy and it's low-hanging fruit. Like, we both know this. But this is literally a peepus sword. <laughs> it is. And you said low-hanging well, oh, come on. Low-hanging fruit's a turn of phrase. <laughs> I know, but it works so well. Okay. Oh, Let's get through this. Let's get through this together. <laughs> okay. I'm good. Oh, oh, we get to talk about my favorite weapon next. Okay. I recently discovered this weapon, and I've fallen in love with it. Okay. This weapon weapon is called the Pata. Um, cool. It's... It's another gorgeous hybrid weapon. Uh, this sword was part gauntlet, part blade. Um, so that's cool. The, the blade is like this straight, double-edged. Um, again, like your broadsword. Mm-hmm. Um, but the handle is actually uh, a basically a long, hollow tube. Uh, where you could put your hand inside and grab onto a bar which was in there. And a lot of it, a lot of the time, it was like this heavy, heavily decorated looking. Um, it wasn't just like a tube. Right. It was, it, it was a pretty tube. A cool tube. Um, put your hand in this cool tube. <laughs> but this is, this is where I was just sold. Mm-hmm. Warriors normally carried one of these weapons. Right. But the most magical, the most beautiful warriors cool would carry ones. two of they, they would carry two of these beautiful blades and would basically just spin and become human blenders of death. So they're like Link doing the the spin, but they got two of those blades. Yeah. They're like they're if just... you got caught in like a wind turbine. Yes. And it's just like, I just love to envision somebody spinning too fast and they just have to stop and just go... <laughs> No, I just, I want to, I pic- I picture someone spinning too fast and just flying away into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, my people need me. See you, space cowboy. <laughs> you can't catch me up here. I'll see you later. This was the early development of the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go over so well. Didn't work out great. No, but I, mm. This weapon has a spe- it has such a special place in my heart now. It's very good. It is very good, and I want to make one and just I want to reenact this. You I want would to hurt become yourself, a helicopter. Uh, but keep dreaming. Don't let what? don't let your dreams be memes. <laughs> exactly. Now we're gonna go into uh, the Mughal Dynasty swords. Mughal Dynasty swords uh, were heavily inspired by Mongol weapon designs. So the blade, like, again, most Indian swords have the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when this flares out, it's not, like, it's not completely rounded towards the tip. Okay. Um, like, a lot of it tends to keep this straight shape. But this one, this one decides to be a little different because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, it's unique. Exactly. So you're envisioning this curve and a long... Along the outside edge, it still holds this curve. Okay. However, on the inside, it kind of 
makes another very small 90 degree curve Mm -hmm. and then straightens out to meet uh, the outer edge. Okay. So it like becomes this triangular like point. I get you. I I Um, can see it. Yeah. And so it has, again, weight to it, just like uh, how the others have um, the kind of spoon shape. This one is just a triangle. Mm -hmm. So you have to have your spoons in your triangles when you're on the battlefield to make the cut deep. That was really deep good. If exactly. We, if we, like, if we made shirts, we would put that <laughs> on a shirt. Please I'm do. I'm going to make shirts for us, just us, and I'll put that on it. Yay! We'll wear it when we do conventions together. Oh my god, yes. It'll be good. And then everybody will just be like, what's wrong with What people? is that? And I'll just be like, don't worry <laughs> about it. What is that? I'll be like, is that a real sword? And I'm like, can you curse a real sword? Hundred dollars. The brass cross guard curves downwards uh, towards the blade, however, um, while the hilts um, basically were like made from brass. Sometimes they could be made out of jade, which were encrusted with rubies or other precious stones. Yeah, no, completely impractical. But it looks beautiful. Yeah. I mean, let's just encrust a stone with more stones. Impractical, but super pretty swords. Exactly. (laughs) Sparkle, sparkle. It really is just the ooh, shiny effect. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Tell me about the last sword. Yes. Our last sword. The Shamshir. Shamshir? You can pronounce this like a dozen different ways. I heard it so many different ways. Um, (laughs) This is another Persian-inspired weapon and was purely a cutting weapon. Right. This curve on this weapon was so dramatic that it was essentially a crescent. It was nearly a half circle. Wow. Um, It is... So this is the sickle. Like, like if the other sword was like half a sword, half a sickle, this sword is a sickle. Yes. Um, Got it. But the edge is on the outside, obviously. That's how yeah. Because the the Talwar has like that same same idea, but th- mm. this this weapon takes it to a whole new level. It's just okay. like Nasan, let me show you what a curve is. Yeah, this 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 one takes it up to eleven. Yeah, got it. Um, these blades were hardly ever decorated. Uh, most of the time, it was just the maker stamp or. Sometimes they included the date it was made. Weapons used in combat were generally simplistic in design, but those, again, used as social status were intricately enameled with various bright colors. Okay. Um, At this stage, we're like in the 1800s. They're starting to get more into using the enamel process, Mm -hmm. which is essentially it's like melting uh, powdered glass into... Also, into, I, like, metal. I, I can imagine by the 1800s, too, swords are becoming more status symbols than practical items because, like, guns are a thing. Yeah, correct. Um, <laughs> I don't think so much in India, though? Mm, I think, I want to say, like, India had guns by then. Yeah, I, personally, because it wasn't England something that was I looked like, into. Hey, you guys want guns? And you're like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is so much better than throwing around this the sickle boomerang thing. <laughs> Don't throw the sword. That's not how swords work. <laughs> it always comes back. 
but you can never catch it. <laughs> oh, you can only catch it once. <laughs> no, With no. your body. <laughs> Which will be in two pieces. Yeah. Um, But yeah, these swords tended to have, again, like floral designs or sometimes different scenes with animals and nature cool. uh, in these bright colored uh, colors, these bright colored colors. Wow. That was poetic. <laughs> I know. I'm a poet at heart. I'm sorry. But yeah. We should be calling that... you the bard. What? You don't even need me. I said we should be calling you the bard. You don't even ah. need me. Yeah. No. No, I need you, Emily. Don't leave. You know, you <laughs> don't just... go. Take Coco. both my jobs. Take my barrel back. It's fine. No! <laughs> Look, you just... 15 minutes ago, you wanted to try and kill me through the internet. <laughs> mm, it was more like 30 minutes ago, and that's still valid. Well, that was a very good tour of uh, Sri Lankan and Indian swords that you did for us, Liz. Thank you. It was, I went crazy. <laughs> it was lots of things. Lots of word. A lot of words. Some of them I don't quite remember, but they were all very cool. (laughs) It's okay. I can't remember what half of them are called anyways, but I know what they look like. Um, so, on this show, we don't swear. (laughs) But, and I will bleep this out, but I want everyone at home to know, Liz sent me her notes for this episode, and at the top of every, uh, notes document she sends me she lists out a brief like reminder of what the tip is going to be for that episode uh so for this week's it reads advice from your local blacksmith don't with roosters what the dino i have to bleep (laughs) half of those words out uh but i just want you to know that that's how she described it and now i want her to tell me the story of of the roosters yes I hate them mm-hmm. with a burning passion. Do you hate the- them as much as I hate geese? More. Whoa. More. Whoa. I hate geese a lot, Liz. Yeah, no, no. This, like, this is the thing where like, if I were to see a rooster, I would try to kill it with just staring at it. I like, see. I'd just try to make it good. But you wouldn't um, actually try to kill it, like, unprovoked. No, no. Okay. No, 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 no. I mean, unless it, unless it did exactly what I'm about to tell you, okay. no. Okay. But when I was younger, I used to live on a farm mm-hmm. and we'd have all kinds of animals, but we would frequently purchase uh, chicks. Right. So we would have, you know, little, they're cute little things. We, we'd take care of them. We'd raise them mm-hmm. to um, chickens and roosters so that we can have eggs and what have you. Right. Um, but my dad decided it would be a good idea to get a different breed of rooster that we normally, than normal. Okay. These roosters were huge. Um, they were nearly three feet tall. That's too big f- yep. for any bird. Yep. There, there's. They were like these. The best. They were these huge white roosters, and they had these beautiful like black patterns to them. Okay. And they had like furry, um, like feathery, like long feathers that kind of went to their feet. That's it's like still weird to describe too it. Too large. Yeah, but no, this thing, these birds were enormous, and we had probably, probably about 12 of them Okay. Um, mixed in with the chickens. And so I went out to collect eggs like I normally do. However, I couldn't find my shoes for some reason. So 
at like the age of 11, I decided it's a good idea to go out to the chicken coop wearing my brother's sandals and he wears a size 16. So I'm collecting eggs. It's great until it's not great. And these roosters just are like, oh, hey, you're taking our stuff. No, son. And they start pecking me. Right. And the chicken As coop is about. As want to do. Yeah. The chicken coop is a good distance away from the house. These things followed me to the front door. Oh my God. I had blood pouring down no. my legs. They pouring. like Liam Neeson in Taken you. Yeah. If Liam like, Neeson I still have, was a rooster. I don't know I where I'm going with that metaphor. All over my legs from this. Dang. This bad worded bird. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I hate, I hate roosters. I really do. I that moment ruined everything for me. I understand. Yeah, don't. That's a good, th- that's a healthy vendetta to have, I think. Yeah. You can throw rocks at these birds. Don't, I mean, don't though. Don't throw rocks at birds. Um, Just don't, maybe just don't go buy big dinosaur roosters. <laughs> don't go buy, like, miniature dinosaurs. Just leave them alone. It's okay. Unless they attack you, in which case it's all fair game. I guess it's self-defense. Um, <laughs> In any case... That's their show for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I almost said watching. You can't watch a podcast. Um, <laughs> I would like to thank Samantha Hogan for our intro and outro music. You can find her work at samanthahogan.com. And you can find her on Twitter at shogan underscore composer. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Audio Armory Cast. I am at Corrupted Gem. Liz is at Liz Belts. That's Liz with two Zs. Um, you can email us suggestions. You can tweet or email us, uh, suggestions for the podcast or any comments you might have. Our email is audioarmorycast at gmail.com. Um, and we're also on Twitter, so you can, like, rate, review, subscribe, that thing. I don't know. Um, but thanks for listening to the show. It really means a lot to us. Uh, and word of mouth is basically the way the show, uh, goes anywhere so thank you for telling people that you listen to this dumb podcast about (laughs) swords um and friendship because that's what it's really about sometimes yeah friendship Um, and swords friendship and swords uh and until next time i have been and always will be your illustrious bard emily cardamus and i will forever and always be your local blacksmith liz belts and don't throw rocks at birds unless it's a rooster Don't throw rocks at birds.